keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts, uh, the Roast of Lita. We got some fun shows coming up next week, the Roast of Booker T. Then we got Lex Luger. We got the British Bulldog, The Rock, JBL, Lawrence Taylor, the Bella Twins, AJ Styles, and the Honky Tonk Man. Also, we got some fun stuff cooking up for the fall. A big-time Worst of the Worst gimmicks tournament, the We Must Hate Ourselves World Cup. I am closing the voting July 26th, which is the same day as our No Mercy Patreon episode. So this this Monday at 10 a.m., the voting will be closed. You can go on our Facebook page and vote uh, vote which which gimmick should be the worst. Uh, the top 32 will make the tournament. There's about 51 names on there. Just for a Patreon schedule, we got on July 26th, No Mercy 2005. Robert was on the creative team. I just watched the show. It's such a time capsule. There's a lot of fun matches on it as well. August 2nd, we got the rest of Billy Corgan. August 9th, we're off. August 16th, Wrestling's Dumbest Criminals. August 23rd, guys, we're going to cover SummerSlam on the regular show. So for everyone on our Patreon, we are going to review the first ever TNA pay-per-view. You can get it on YouTube. It's completely free. Uh, the following week, we're going to be doing the roast of uh, Vince Russo and the first Battle Royal of TNA. Uh, for Southern Sports Entertainment with next week, we're going to be doing Raw. Um, and if you're a ten dollar tier, you got a bunch of extra shows this week. You got a Raw review. You got a, you got a, uh, you got a Dynamite Fighter Fest review. You, you, you got a lot. So, uh, so time to get in. First off, how you doing, boys? You all right? Well, swell, swell. How are you, dude? Good, good. I, Mike, I didn't Michael. get pulled up by Jeff Hardy this week, so it's been pretty good. <laughs> and uh, Robert, how you doing? Good. I was I was waiting how far into your intro you were going to realize you forgot to intro the rest of us, but at least the streak of screwing up the intro continues. So for those of you keeping tabs at home, because um, I know on the Facebook group they they like that part, so uh, it's not planned. This is completely spontaneous every week. Guys, guys, Dan as podcast host is one of the gimmicks you could vote on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. I, I did. I think you can fill it in. We just added. Um, Huge, huge erection. So huge, huge erection. Huge was, erection. Huge erection. erection. Yeah. Sorry, I don't think he's. I don't think he's doing that well. Right, right now, QT Marshall has a commanding lead. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I love you all. Thank you. <laughs> By the way, QT Marshall's gimmick is just existing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, he would vote, the, but he only has a MySpace. Let's get to the bright side of the ring. Uh, Lita, I will go through my notes. Uh, she was the personality for the Hardy Boys when they didn't have one. She seems like a legitimately cool person. She's a vegan, which is hard. 
you, uh, you, you, you know, you felt better about masturbating to her than the other divas. You know, she's a natural girl. Her animal charity stuff is great. Great with Edge. I think she was better with Edge than Matt Hardy uh, in both ways. Uh, she performed with one of the guys from the Misfits. Uh, I don't know if her music is bad or good. It's not my thing. She seems to, you know, it's not my thing. So, uh, you know, it was whatever. But uh, she was pro wrestling illustrated female of the year 2001, a four-time women's champion and in the WWE Hall of Fame. Robert, what do you think about Lita? Uh, big fan of Lita. I think the the biggest th- recurring theme with her is she probably came around uh, a decade too early. If uh, she had people to actually work with, I think she would be without question uh, top five women's wrestler of all time without even thinking about it. The, this current crop of of female wrestlers that exist. Uh, would not be here if it wasn't for her. She was someone who truly took wrestling seriously. She went to Mexico to train. She worked to get better. She was great in the ring. She was great as a, a baby face with the, with the Hardys, which was an absolute just supernova. Uh, I mean, they were in Rolling Stone at a point in time and Rolling Stone magazine mattered. Uh, when she was a heel, especially with Edge, uh, which at the time when I was working with her, she was incredible. I mean, she slipped into that role and she was able to elicit heel heat perfectly. She endured a hell of a lot of, of crap for a very long time. She was part of a lot of really terrible storylines that I'm sure we're going to get to. She overcame it all. She was fantastic in the ring. And even when she comes back now, She's one of the few legends where she's not going to go in there and potentially embarrass herself. She still goes in, she gives it her all, and she was an asset to the the business and an absolute sweetheart of a person to work with. Um, just really, really nice, really down to earth. Dan, you should not feel guilty about the horrible things you did uh, alone thinking about Lita. I don't, you know, and it's, uh, she just seems like somebody you'd, you'd want to, you'd want to, you know, uh, boogie board with, you know, just a fun lady. Scott, uh, what, what do you think about Lita? Uh, yeah, man, I think Lita. So growing up, Lita was, no lie, maybe the only women's wrestler. And like there was, when I was a kid, she was the only one wrestling. And then the other ones were just being hot. And then Trish later on started wrestling. But yeah, for the period of time when I was Playboy a kid model. watching, yeah, all through middle school and and. In, in a little bit of grade school and some of high school, it was like just Lita. She was the only one capable of doing it. It, it, I thought little did I know, you know, what was going on in the rest of the world and stuff. But as a fan of only WWE and WWF, I thought Lita was the only woman who could wrestle for the longest time. Uh, she was always great. She was awesome with SA Rios. She was awesome with the Hardys. She was even better with edge, even though I felt bad for her uh, during a lot of it. She did have great matches with Trish. Uh, every time she came out, it felt cool. I remember that, that the WrestleMania TLC match and you had Rhino come out and you had Spike Dudley come out and you have Lita come out and it didn't feel weird. Like when, when she interfered to beat their asses, it didn't feel odd. She was a tough chick and it just made sense. Uh, yeah, that's it. She was, she was awesome. And, and yeah, you're right. She was like, of all, of all the women at the time, she just came off like a person, yeah. which is not, is not a knock on the other women. It's the knock, it's a knock on the company that they, they, they only allowed her to do that. 
Also, thank you for bringing up the WrestleMania 17, which has Jim Ross's best call of all time when Lita goes to attack Edge and Jim Ross just yells, Lita's jerking Edge off the ladder. And there's a pause there for about 20 seconds. We we cut that into an audio bite, and that was uh, that was played for years after. It's Jim Ross at his finest, folks. Oh, I wonder why she left the company. Pause in that for four years, and then she started doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, uh, what do you think about Lita? Yeah, she's awesome. You know, um, I agree with, with all of you guys. I think that uh, yeah, that that mid 2000s. WWE, there is a lot of hits and misses, as we will, I know we're going to talk about later on the show, but she was a bright spot for sure. I think that she really helped elevate Edge to that main event. You know, I think that Edge is that, you know, first really defining Cena opponent when Cena's in the main event. And I don't think that he gets there as well as he does without Lita. I think that she added so much to that overall package. They had so much fun together. Um, You know, yeah, first woman to main event, Uh, you know, a couple Raws, that's pretty amazing. You know, like her and Trish, I think, are the beginning of modern women's wrestling in WWE. I mean, you know, you had Alondra Blaze, you had... Uh, you know, different stuff in the 80s with Richter and, and well, other kind women, of but with, with Medusa. I mean, Alondra, it, 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 you know, like when she stopped, they stopped having women wrestle for a while and then, yes, then they, they kind of slowly got back into it. Yeah. And they were more like valets and stuff. But yeah, I mean, and Lita was a valet, but she could, yeah. uh, she could go. Well, yeah, they, they brought her as a valet, but she was, yeah. I think, her enduring legacy to a degree is she's your favorite woman's wrestler's favorite women's wrestler. She yeah, was the, nowadays, the woman yeah. that all these girls saw growing up and were like, that's what I want to be. And that's why there is the current crop of female talent that exists because of what she was doing. Yeah, I think there's like a photo, right, of like AJ and she's younger and she meets her. And yeah, I mean, and that's awesome to provide that. And I think that, you know, another thing, I, I know that some of it's injury related, but like she didn't overstay her welcome. You know, like she was there for a good like six, seven years uh, and, a, and a, you know, great run, left you wanting more. And she never was like in another company being awful for a long time. You know, there's a lot of great wrestlers that we only remember as good because of their TNA runs. She didn't have one of those. Yeah. Thank God the Hardy thing ended. Right. Because she uh, she would. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nobody would want us to. Yeah. I mean. I mean, we'll get into it. I, I think one thing that we did leave on the bright side, and, and Mike, you were going to say it. Um, I think I think picking Edge over Matt Hardy wasn't a bad move. <laughs> I'm oh, sure we no. all have jokes about that. Yeah, I, mean, I know <laughs> but, I do. But yeah, you re- you really do look back and you just go like, man, I, like everybody would have cheated on, you know, Matt Hardy's mother would have cheated on Matt Hardy if she could have <laughs> with another I mean, you son, know, it's like, you know, like, do you remember that? Because I remember, you know, yeah, first off, people can love whoever they want. And I mean, she should have just broken it off with him. If there was any problem, that's the problem if she was doing it behind his back. But that promo that he cut when um, they're setting up, was it SummerSlam 2005? Man. And he's like, I hope you guys get hit by a car. It's like the worst fucking. And and even Jim Ross goes, oh, that's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, also, so, it's so uncomfortable. 
I was at Continental Airlines Arena the the night where he uh, attacked Edge backstage and then got dragged away. And then during the main event, he ran out and they got him and he grabbed the mic and he screamed Ring of Honor and stuff. Uh, and, and that really did feel like a huge deal. Uh, and, and I do remember all the shit around it. And then the storyline crashed and burned so quickly. And I remember being so frustrated as a fan at the time. Like, wait, how did Edge? I think Edge won two of the matches and they only yep. had three, you know? And it was like, why did you do this? And then you think about it and you're like, oh, because the only reason Matt Hardy was rehired is because Edge was going to be the guy. And it's like, we need to have another person Edge can be. And that's all that happened. But you're sitting there as a fan going, oh, man, Matt Hardy's gone. He was fired. Uh, now they're bringing him back. This is his moment. And the company knew it was actually Edge's moment. And in hindsight, you realize, yeah, they were right. It should and, have been and, Edge's moment. And being in the room at the time, that was the sentiment. The idea was we have a, there's a great real life story to tell it gave a chance of blurring lines and letting him say ring of honor on television which was revolutionary and bringing this real life thing and because it monopolized any storyline that was going on which i know we're going to cover later with, with the Kane stuff but everybody knew it was going on in the real world and it was far more interesting and everybody was okay making money but at the end of the day if you're looking at edge you're looking at matt hardy and who has the bigger upside it's not even close and this helped this helped all three of them because it helped Matt Hardy stay relevant. It wasn't like there were any barn burner ideas that we had for Matt Hardy before this. And then afterwards, it flamed out so quickly because it was clear one guy is going to endure forever and the other one's going to be uh, carrying cross. Well, we'll get to that. Um, we're going to be uh, off September no. 6th as well for Patreon, but September 11th. Um, we will be doing the bright sides that we didn't get to because we really didn't start doing bright side until about Ronda Rousey. So we're going to be covering the bright sides of Bret Hart, Goldberg, the Hardys, which is why I bring it up. Million dollar man, big show, Shane and Baron Corbin. So, uh, Oh, we're fuck gonna... you. I got to do a bright side of Baron Corbin. Um, well, you know, I think sad Corbin. Like 9-11's not already a tough enough day. <laughs> I was, I was hoping what we should do for 9-11 episode, we should rank all of the 9-11 uh, episode promos from, Worst to really worst. <laughs> well, maybe we'll do an addition favorite 9-11 promo. Wait, um, wait, what are we doing on 9-11? Thanks for uh, paying well, attention, Scott. Uh, this is, we're going to do, we didn't start Brightside, that segment, really, until Rhonda. So all these guys beforehand, we just roasted without giving a Brightside. Oh, wow. So 9-11, we're doing like a like a tribute to the to the roasted. The tribute to the people we roasted, which... You know, I mean, what, to the people what, we roasted, not a 9-11 tribute to people who roasted. No, yeah, we should do Jesse on. Ventura and get to the bottom of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 20th anniversary, man. Yeah. Well, wow. folks, the 20th anniversary of seeing Vince dressed in his cabana wear. The 20th <laughs> anniversary of Stephanie comparing the steroid trials. <laughs> <laughs> this is the year we get the special edition DVD. Well, that's why Jesse likes it, because they were both uh, governmental inside jobs coming after Vince and bringing down the towers. <laughs> you know, the 9-11 the, the episode of SmackDown, the only time JBL was a bully to the right person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, let's get to the roast of Lita. Mike, you want to start off? Yeah, sure. Uh, all right, here we go. 
Today we are roasting Lita, the greatest women's wrestler in WWE. If you died before 2003 or were pimped out by Moolah and understandably hate her. <laughs> During the early 2000s, Lita and Trish tore the house down. In between matches, people actually paid to see. <laughs> yes, Lita broke through the, grass, the glass ceiling by climbing up a ladder to jump through it to middling applause. <laughs> Lita's three-minute matches on Raw paved the way for every woman that's had a five-minute match at 925 on AEW. <laughs> Lita Swanton so that Penelope Ford could do whatever her finisher is. <laughs> Lita looks like a mess that got a new set of dentures. <laughs> Lita is the China not enough people recognize. We should rename her Taiwan. <laughs> We all knew that Lita had some talent and must have been something special since she lasted years in the company and never fucked Vince. <laughs> I mean, I'm just assuming she didn't since she's still able to show up at pay-per-views without crying through her makeup. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm assuming she doesn't have kids since she's able to sit next to Jerry Lawler through a pre-show without crying through her makeup. <laughs> Her feud with Kane and Snitsky was bad. It was so bad, the only pops in it were from Snitsky's back. <laughs> she was with Matt Hardy for a few years because like most people that saw Tommy Boy, she said to herself, I prefer the fat one over the skinny one. <laughs> <laughs> then she left Matt when it was apparent he fucked like a virgin 1.0. <laughs> Turns out Mattitude just means you're okay chewing tobacco while you eat someone out. <laughs> Then she left him for Edge, and at first fans were mad, and they were like, oh, yeah, I like him much better, too. <laughs> Good on you, Lita. I would have done the same thing. <laughs> One morning, she was with Matt, and he was rambling about half-baked wrestling ideas, and she snuck off to Edge's hotel, and they made love. Yes, on that day, she saw clearly, and everything had come um, to light. Come to life. <laughs> no offense to Money Plane or Haven, but Lita was the best thing Edge has ever been in. <laughs> and look at her now. She's living in Nicaragua in a band, having fun, and Matt still wrestling Christian 20 years later. <laughs> in 2014, she did a Hall of Fame speech that lasted longer than her career and was just as an unentertaining. Oh. Let's have some fun with this. Lita's Hall of Fame speech was so long. How long was, How long it? was it? It was so long that Hillbilly Jim was like, hurry the fuck up. I got places <laughs> to be. Lita's Hall of Fame speech was so long. How, How long, long was, was it? Jake was able to get sober during it. <laughs> Lita's Hall of Fame speech was so long. How, How long, long was it? Was it? By the end, her jaw looked like Bobby Heenan's. Oh, <laughs> motherfucker. Lita's Hall of Fame speech was so long. How long, How long was, was it? Ultimate Warrior was able to say goodbye to his family during it. <laughs> Lita's Hall of Fame speech Jesus. was so long. How long was it? Lex Luger got up and walked out during it. No. <laughs> Lita's Hall of Fame oh speech was so long. How, How long, long was, was it? it? It's been mistaken for Batista's dick. Oh, <laughs> nice. Finally, Lita's Hall of Fame speech was so long. How, How long, long was, it? was it? By the time it was done, there was actually good WWE women's wrestling with talent that actually deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you fuck. That's it for me. Mike Lawrence, everybody. I'll, uh, I'll step up to the plate next, and we'll do Scott and Robert. The Roast right. Alita. 
She was one of the greatest female wrestlers of the Attitude Era, which is like saying she was one of the greatest baseball players when they wouldn't let blacks play. (laughs) She was born in Fort Lauderdale, so her career choices were wrestler or guy who robs Thunderdome. (laughs) She started in Godfather's Ho Train and ended in CM Punk's. Her style is hot mess topic. She dropped out of college, which for a wrestler means she graduated high school. Good job, Amy. <laughs> Ray Mysterio got her into wrestling, unlike Pedro Ramirez, who Ray helped get out of. <laughs> before the women's revolution, there was Trish and Lita, which is like saying before the Renaissance, there were monkeys throwing shit at each other. She looks like the hobo Anthony Kiedis fucked at his bottom. She had a real-life romance with Matt Hardy. They bonded over music and making sure Jeff was breathing. (laughs) She's an animal welfare activist, which means she helped free Batista when his dick got caught in the ring ropes. She tattooed punk inside her lip, which did a nice job covering the outbreak he gave her. Her band is Josie and the Outdoor Pussycats. (laughs) Her best of DVD was called It Just Feels Right, which is also what she whispered to her showerhead when she lived with Matt Hardy. <laughs> she was in the first ever tag team bra and panties match. All her wins seem like losses. First tag bra and panties match. First woman thrown through a table by the Dudleys. First woman <laughs> fingered by Matt at a Waffle House. <laughs> She defeated Jazz at WrestleMania 18, the only genre of music worse than hers. (laughs) (laughs) Lita is most famous for the love triangle she had with Edge and Matt Hardy. In real life, Edge cheated because Lita understood him more than any girl ever had. And Lita cheated because Edge wasn't Matt Hardy. She was arrested for driving with a suspended license, which is technically considered a pro wrestling success story. (laughs) <laughs> she oh, this is, she wrestled for Family Wrestling Federation, which just sounds like a sad message Matt Hardy left on her answering machine when he tried to win her back. <laughs> Come home, we'll be a Family Wrestling Federation. <laughs> she was a trainer for Tough Enough, but quit when she kept having to tell security that the needles in the locker room were Billy Guns. <laughs> she tried a Kickstarter to raise money for a new female pro wrestling promotion, but only got 60 out of the 400,000 she was looking for. Yeah, wrestling fans aren't going to support your vanity project when they're too busy bidding on a foot for Kamala. <laughs> she retired because of harassment from the fans. I wonder what was worse, the hate in the messages or the grammar? I didn't know whore had a silent W. <laughs> And finally, she got an injury on the set of Dark Angel, <coughs> which is also what they call Chris Benoit in heaven. <laughs> All right, that's it for me. Scotty Chaplin. Oh, Lita. She's the best women's wrestler in an era that didn't let their women wrestle. She's like Amelia Earhart if no one noticed she went missing. <laughs> She's the only person to have a permanent henna tattoo. Her cardio consists of walking up and down the boardwalk asking if anyone wants their belly button pierced. (laughs) She looks like someone who has weed paraphernalia, but no weed. (laughs) Lita with a mustache is Kid Rock. (laughs) She's sexy cosplay Fred Durst. Wait, Fred Durst with tits? 
Suddenly, this biscuit isn't so limp. <laughs> Lita is not the lead singer of No Doubt, but Jeff Hardy thinks she is. Matt's dating Gwen Stefani, man. That shit is bananas. B A N M M N O O P. I know the alphabet, man. I can't say it backwards. What? <laughs> She's Gwen Stefani if the song Don't Speak was about what Vince wanted her to do into a microphone. <laughs> She's Gwen Stefani if the song Walking into Spiderwebs was about an activity Matt liked doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, babe, me and Jeff are going to go walk through spider webs. If you could leave a message and I'll, I'll call you back. <laughs> to the ring, Lita often wore cheetah print, but to Matt, she was always lying. Uh, <laughs> shit, I, I'd cheat too if every time my boyfriend climbed the ladder of success, he jumped off it ass first. <laughs> I'm not saying Matt was too wrestling obsessed, but she asked for more tender love and care, and he came up with the TLC match. <laughs> when someone asked Jeff about the Lita uh, Edge Matt situation, Jeff said, Wait, you could see her too? <laughs> and Lita wasn't the first to do what she did. Come on, this is pro wrestling. She comes from a long line of baby faces who turned heel after cheating. Lita helped pave the road for women's wrestling. So if you have any complaints, remember, it's because a lady paved the road. <laughs> <laughs> she had a great match with Spike Dudley, proving to the world that women can absolutely go toe-to-toe -to -toe with nine-year-old boys. <laughs> Her feud with Trish, uh, though apparently famous, wasn't very stratifying. It's like the botches in the match were an homage to all the surgeries their peers were getting. <laughs> in recent years, she was a backstage agent. Because when I hear agent, of course, I think of someone who's gotten caught. <laughs> uh, delete, delete is what Lita should have done with her text to Edge. That's it. Scotty Chaplin, everybody. Scotty Chaps, Robert Karpolis. Uh, Lita participated in the first ever pro wrestling live sex celebration. All subsequent live sex celebrations tended to involve Kenny Omega and Dave Meltzer. <laughs> in ECW, Lita was called Miss Congeniality, though her love life is a little bit more like another Sandra Bullock movie, The Blind Side. <laughs> Matt Hardy, CM Punk, Edge. She's pinned more upper mid-carters than Triple H. <laughs> Leader's first wrestling romance was with Danny Doring, but when she left for the WWF, she abandoned him like roadkill. Lita <laughs> debuted on Raw as one of the Godfather's hoes. Somehow playing a sex worker wasn't among the top 10 most demeaning things she was forced to do in the WWE. <laughs> it must have been tough for Lita wrestling with her thong wedged up her ass but it's a lot easier than when Cody Rhodes wrestles with his head up his ass. <laughs> Lita cheated on Matt Hardy with Edge, a move our producer Zach is still jealous of. <laughs> Lita screwed Matt Hardy worse than Jeff Hardy screwed Karrion Cross. <laughs> During her neck injury, she was a commentator on Sunday Night Heat. On the plus side, given how Vince usually booked her, she was happy to be seated at the desk instead of under it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Speaking of regressive booking, Lita was forced to marry Kane, an angle that played really well in India. <laughs> Sadly, arranged marriage storylines aren't done anymore, which is why we're stuck with the push of Jinder Mahal. <laughs> On TV, Lita wound up pregnant with Kane's baby, courtesy of his little red machine. Thankfully, she miscarried due to the actions of Snitsky. Had she still been pregnant, she would have gone with plan B. <laughs> On the plus side, pro wrestling attack is the only kind of abortion the people in Tennessee support. <laughs> and finally, Lita's relationship with CM Punk was doomed to fail as he's a fan of Pepsi and she loves Coke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the roast of Lita. We love you, Lita. I was about to say rest in peace. She's alive. <laughs> but to be uh, fair, we're taping this on a Tuesday and this drops on a Friday. So heads <laughs> in our bets. Folks, um, instead of show and hell this week, we're, we are doing show and hell, but it's a little bit different. It's called What's More Fucked, where we take two, uh, two video clips and decide which one is more uncomfortable to watch. The, the, uh, the combatants for, for this week's battle are... Snitsky helping Kane miscarry Lita's baby or Heinrich raping Michael Cole. Now, we don't know <laughs> whether or not he raped, but um, I mean, I have my opinions on this, but Robert, wh wh which is the more offensive storyline? So the Kane-Snitsky one is more offensive simply because Kane was a heel and we're supposed to feel bad that his baby uh, was killed by a Snitsky bump. Um, that was my bigger issue with it, that this is a good baby face storyline of you killed my unborn baby and now I'm coming for revenge. Instead, it was heel Kane going after heel Snitsky, which meant we had to watch that match. The one benefit of, of Heidenreich raping Michael Cole is we didn't have to watch a match between Heidenreich and Michael Cole. <laughs> That's true, Scott. What do you think? What, what was more jarring for you watching these uh, Snitsky weed clips or the Heinrich? Uh, for what it, what he appeared, we don't know whether or not he sexually assaults him, he but did. it's he did, he did. He did. He heard his pants. <laughs> you didn't necessarily hear his pants unzip, but he definitely did like the flop out motion, like he did the <laughs> "my dick is now out" motion, and then he did the "I'm sticking it into your ass" motion, and then Michael Cole reacted like that was happening. So he, I think he did. Uh, if you haven't seen the clip, uh, Michael Cole's face—it's the same face he does when his face is pressed up against the glass in the GM angle. He's got like three faces that he can do. It's, um, it's gotta be tough to be Michael Cole because either there's a Heidenreich in your ass or a Vince in your ear. <laughs> yeah he was just relieved that night that he didn't have to hear vince he's like yeah do whatever you want my asshole i don't care so but scott I, what, which one do you well, think is I, worse the snitsky kane lita thing I, I i always liked it because it, it was in front of the crowd and um and you you got more out of it that the fans actually seemed to be reacting to it as opposed to a rape scene where you're not going to get a huge reaction anyway because it's backstage and it's involving Heidenreich. Yeah, but to be fair, both of these technically involve rape since Lita was forced to marry Kane. Oh, geez. And forced okay, into the marriage. Point. So it wasn't like she probably voluntarily consented within the confines of their storyline. 
Wow. You, you, that is a great point. Hmm. Yeah, we you know, said another how thing is the baby, the... 2000s wrestling was. <laughs> Though Snitsky punting the fake baby into the crowd is one of the best moments. Oh, last yeah, year. it's top, very funny. Yeah. Top 10 moments of my wrestling fandom <laughs> was just watching that guy grab the baby like it's a fly ball <laughs> and jumping up and down. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. You think, you think they the, the, that dude still has it or you think he sold it? Because I. I'm telling you, man, if I saw that thing on eBay for like 200 bucks, I'd probably get it. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be way more. I think that would probably be two grand. That would be a two grand purchase. Uh, you know, that's actually good. Guys, how much do you think tweeted us? How much do you think the uh, Lita Kane uh, football baby would be worth? How much do you think? It should, what is a fair price? They should that. do the A and E show for that, like for that. Uh, the hidden treasures. Yeah. Hidden treasures. Yeah. Season two, the punted baby. <laughs> You know the green shirt guy has offered like ten thousand dollars for that thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Mike, what do you think was more offensive? Um, I mean, this was the, the Snitsky stuff was such like a big part of my fandom. Uh, I don't. It's just like because it was interesting, like because he comes out as just Snitsky against Kane, like in a squad, like as a jobber, right? Like he yep. had no. Yeah. previous history and then he causes this miscarriage and then he gets like a catchphrase out of it like this is how they introduced this character was through this angle it ruled and, too it ruled snitsky ruled for him for a second guys yeah and uh i've watched like uh they did like one of those wwe where are they now segments on youtube about him he has like this giant mountain beard and shit but he i mean he's got a good sense of humor about everything he was like He's like, Vince said one thing to me before I went out and kicked that baby. And he was like, you better kick that baby. <laughs> <laughs> and he, dude, it's a great fucking kick. Like, yeah. it's fun. I mean, the thing with the, the Cole thing is, it, it's like, it's an uncomfortable moment and nobody likes Cole. So it's not like Heidenreich's the heel because of it, but he's also not a face because of it. It's just bad like there was a lot of bad stuff in this era like remember like the tim white suicide stuff like i kind of like that to be honest with you but I mean, it was funny but like that felt like this where it was just the weirdest like we're making vince happy like someone throws something at the wall at least this the snitsky thing as weird as it was it led to a character being there for a few years and led to um a few matches and and angles and stuff and then he was like I think he was on one of the Survivor Series teams and shit. So he, you know, I would definitely say the Heinrich one is worse. And uh, so how weird is pro wrestling kind of that raping someone doesn't make you a full fledged heel? And we're all just kind of like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> well, we didn't say someone. We said Michael Cole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that that is that's uh, that's true. Um, I also think that like. You know, Snitsky has a point. There's a real, a few real fun parts of this. Like, one is when Kane is screaming in the emergency room and Alita is just staring catatonically into nothing. It's a, it's, it's a blast. And another is, I realized without Snitsky, we wouldn't get those two weeks of Lars Sullivan reciting the Nightingale poem. <laughs> no, he was the first. He, he paved the way for other weird-looking big guys to have uh, a tiny push. So thank you, Snitsky. Well, it's also like he's kind of the proto Ellsworth in a way, because 
like right Ellsworth was introduced in a jobber match and then like was a character for like eight months <laughs> a few guys were like that what well, wasn't there a dude in the 90s who came in as like a guy who just jumped the rails and then he ended up being a a, a wrestler but the storyline was just he was just a fan well there was they Santino, that, Santino. Santino. Yeah. that was Santino. Oh, they did that with earthquake was it earthquake, earthquake, yeah, yeah, did earthquake. It. it's one of the best fucking angles ever but Dino Bravo like picks Earthquake out of the crowd, and uh, Ultimate Warrior has to do push-ups with Earthquake on his back, and then Earthquake, you know, squashes him, and it turns out he was in on it. But that's how they introduce him. That they did the same thing with they did cool. with Rob Conway too, where he was like a soldier in the crowd, and then they that's went right. up bringing him in as a wrestler. And he was like a French sympathizer, right? Then he became a French sympathizer. Then he became the con man with the greatest entrance theme in wrestling history. Yes. <laughs> Well, Michael Cole, uh, proof that some rape jokes are funny. Hey, bro, um, Robert, I got I gotta just a quick uh, WWE creative question. Do the writers ever help with the theme songs, or is that just Johnston? No, or- we, we, we do. I actually worked on the, the Spirit Squad theme song with Jim Johnston, which was one of the awesome. coolest things I ever got to do. I mean, it was weird that it was the Spirit Squad that I got assigned, but it Great was a song, ton of fun because it was going in. I'm like, here's what Vince wants we're doing this ridiculous over the top cheerleader thing. And Jim's like, I totally got it. We, he, he just like busted out some entrance, played this song. We, we, uh, we send it to Vince. Vince gives like some tweaks. Jim knows exactly what Vince means. We, we change it. And then maybe for four hours from beginning to end, boom, you've got entrance music. Uh, so yeah, we do the, the, the con man theme though is fun because we played it so much in the writer's room. Stephanie sent an email banning it. <laughs> she's like i never want to hear that fucking song again you're not allowed to play it anymore in the room <laughs> what a weird place to work <laughs> oh boy well folks we have a very special treat for you this week's edition of tales from the indies we got a special guest uh he's a buddy of mine i just did his uh, great club laugh it up in poughkeepsie uh, he's got some awesome shows to cover. Our buddy, our buddy, friend of the show, Sean Donnelly, is going to be there. Rich Voss, Cal Getter, everybody. Cal, what's going on, dude? Thanks for coming on. Excited to be here, man. Thanks for having me. And, and Cal, might I say, I, I get, I get, I hear a lot of stories, you know, like about uh, comics and about wrestlers backstage. But this one, when you told me this, it floored me. My jaw hit. The fucking I'm, I'm going to let Cal take it away. Um, but uh, just to give some background on Cal, Cal now is, you know, the booker for uh, for Laugh It Up Comedy Club. But before that, you were an aspiring professional wrestler. You worked at the Monster Factory. You were a wrestler at the Monster Factory. In, in- no, 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 no. I was oh. I was trained by Tommy Dreamer, House of Hardcore. Oh, OK. When he, when he was running the school out of the Mid Hudson Civic Center. It's all good. All right. So, and this was, this was at what, what year was this? Uh, 2010. 2010. And one of the, and one of the ways that similar to like comedians, one of the ways I guess you paid your dues were, were, you were kind of like, you know, like how an MC or a feature would drive the headliner around for the weekend. Sometimes you would, you would pick up the wrestlers and drive the wrestlers around. Right, right. You were a runner. You went, you set up the ring early. You broke down the ring, got it loaded in the truck for the next town. You had to do all that stuff. That was just part of paying the dues. All right. So let's hear about the weekend where you were, your task was to be <laughs> the homicidal 
maniac Sabu's driver. Let's from beginning to end. I got to hear the story. Sure, sure. So I was uh, I was excited. I got the call. I said, hey, you know, Sabu needs a lift. I'm going to need you to run him around for the weekend. We got to go to Newt. We got to go to a couple towns, some autograph signings, all that. I was excited as an ECW fan, you know, the Poughkeepsie ECW, they went hand in hand. They just, it was amazing. Can I just stop you for a second? Before, when you told people like, Hey, I'm going to drive Sabu around this weekend. Did you get any advice? Did anyone like tell you any stories or anything? I didn't, I didn't hear shit. I just assumed the worst just because (laughs) of his history in the ring. So I kind of just assumed shit was going to go haywire. But uh, you're not you're not homicidal and genocidal if you're a good person. <laughs> exactly. So uh, they, I got to go to I got to go to LaGuardia to pick him up. You know, I get there uh, for the first night of the shows. I pick him up. And I said, hey, man, you know, what's going on? How you doing? Let's let's hit the road. Uh, and that, that's when he said, hey, um, you know, can you get me any gimmicks? I said, well, <laughs> What are we talking here? You know, I can get you a bag of weed. You know, I can get you, get you some pot. What I, no, no, no. It was a lot further. I need some Somas. I need some Vicodin. And I need some Methadone. Oh well, God. holy shit, man. I'm not Walgreens Pharmacy. Like I said, I can get you the smoke, but I can't help you in that other department there. So, uh, <laughs> we also, hit the ru- can I just, can I just say, I, I love when wrestlers just use the term gimmick for anything. <laughs> what, Absolutely what, everything. Why is your wife mad at you? I haven't paid gimmick support in 10 years. <laughs> right, right. My, you're absolutely right. So Did he give uh, you get, how many somas he wanted? How many? Oh, hundred, yeah, hundreds, hundreds, whatever, <laughs> whatever I could get, he wanted. So uh, we get to the first gig. There's some, you know, it's a big card. Hardy, uh, Matt Hardy, Sonny, uh, Kurt Angle. If you know, Bret Hart was making an appearance. And uh, back then, you know, Team Extreme, they were known for, again, selling the gimmicks to the boys. So uh, I did not know this. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, that'll probably get me some heat too. But who gives a fuck anymore? <laughs> I, uh, I would have never looked at you know those guys and been like, they share. Right. Well, it, it, uh, we're we're getting there. Uh, so they, so anyway. they 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 were uh, they were essentially they were they were dealing backstage. Oh yeah, big time, big time. They had a big thing going. So uh, Jeff Hardy set- selling gimmicks sounds like uh, like he's selling carrot top props. <laughs> <laughs> so Sabu, he of course buys everything they got. So what does everything. he buy? Do you do you know do you do you know what he buys that first oh. his first transaction? It was uh, some ecstasy, some somas. It's just whatever he had. Um, so we're doing, we're, you know, we're doing the, uh, the the gimmick again. We're doing the autograph signing before the show, and Sonny's next to us, and she, I, she turns over and she she's pissed. She turns over, she's like, "What the fuck, man? You took everything. You didn't leave anything for me." <laughs> and just as quick as pie, he just turns over. He's like, "Yeah, you're gonna have to suck my dick for it." <laughs> Oh my and God. and that's and that's when he told me all the stories about how she would run around, you know, uh, ECW. They'd be staying at one hotel, and she would just go from room to room. This is just, the first. This just, is the first interaction. The first interaction. Yes, first night. First night. <laughs> and the only, the only, the only room she didn't go to, Chris Candido's. 
Yes. <laughs> you didn't have any gimmicks, Mike. <laughs> no gimmicks. <laughs> no damn gimmicks. And by the way, all these guys would have done exactly what Sonny did. It's just that nobody wanted it. Nobody wants that from Balls Mahoney, you know? <laughs> exactly. How do you think he got that nickname? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the the match the, the, the matches start you know he's he's down in the he's down in the uh, the locker room he's already getting into shit i could tell he's already getting uh kind of fucked up here you what know, does he the, look uh, like what does sabu look like when he first like starts to get intoxicated oh just sabu. Uh, you know, hey man <laughs> hey man how's it has everything go you know just just make sure you watch my stuff man you know just really really out there so uh we're getting ready to leave he's you know he, he got paid he, he's fucked up out of his mind and he's trying to get like a hot dog and he's trying to go in his pockets and get the money out the money's falling all over the place i'm like dude no 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 come on man i'm picking up the money put this in your pocket Let, let's get the fuck out of here i'll we'll go to a diner or something we'll you know uh, don't don't worry we'll get you fed so that was night one so then we do the autograph signing the next day and uh the autograph signing was in poughkeepsie and PJ, just incredible, just so happened to be there. And as soon as I saw him, I said, okay, this is going to get even fucking worse. <laughs> you know? So we do the autograph signing. How, how late was he? The first night now, did you did you take him to a party the first night? Like, well, after the show, what was the itinerary? You're absolutely, uh, I, I did leave that part out. Yeah, I fucked yeah. up there. So I'm, I, I was a death metal promoter on the side. I booked all the bands your parents warned you about. Anal cunt, dying fetus, cannibal corpse. <laughs> just all that nonsense. I'm, so I'm, had, I'm more a fan of anal cuts uh, earlier works. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe so that they sold out and became too much a part of the establishment. I wonder if too there's like a Pete Best of the anal cunt. He's like, oh, I was the original drummer of anal cunt, but they got rid of me. I also like I know who to go to cunt. now when I have to book my daughter's bat mitzvah band. <laughs> yes. You guys yes. hear my son Georgie's in a band? Have you listened to anal cunt? <laughs> So, so, okay. So the first night we're, we're after the show, we're, what do you guys do? So, so I, I basically, I have to go run and settle that show that I had going on after the wrestling gig. So we're driving there. And like, like I said, he started, you know, he was already fucked up. He starts nodding in and out a little bit. And then I see him start going into his pocket and I'm like, Hey dude, 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 I don't know, dude, I'm Cal. I picked you up at the airport. We just did the fucking show. I told you we had to make one stop before I bring you to the hotel. Chill the fuck out. Lay back. Just go to sleep. Whatever you got to do. But get your fucking hands out of your pocket, man. Because I don't know what you're doing. So what I, was I he doing? Know, you I didn't know. I thought he was going to pull out a fucking knife. I wasn't sure because he was he was all discombobulated looking at me like he couldn't re recognize He couldn't me. remember who you were and he thought you right. were like, trying to mug him. So, yeah, it's like I took them. Okay, but be honest. What kind of knife did you think it was? Like a switchblade or like a, like an Aladdin <laughs> Arabian <laughs> knife? Type of knife? It was probably gimmick, so it probably wouldn't have hurt. <laughs> There's another use of gimmick. Oh, uh, everything, man. So we get to the, we get to my gig. Uh, I'm trying to settle with the bands. I leave them at the bar for just a couple seconds. This and is the first night. This Still. is the first night. Yeah. I turn around and he's talking to all these bands. Hey, uh, you know Cal, right? Hey, can you get me any drugs? I'm like, dude, didn't you just buy 
Marty's whole supply. What the fuck is going on? Come on, we got to get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> Stop this nonsense. So uh, it, that was night one. Night night two, we uh, again, we do the autograph signing. We're just incredible. I, I already know things are not going well. What is they, what, When Justin and Sabu meet each other, was it like in Ghostbusters? Like, are you the gatekeeper? Are you the key master? <laughs> like, you knew it was about to go down. I, I knew something was going I knew both their history. So I'm like, all right, well, this is going to be an all nighter and hopefully we don't get arrested, you know? And uh, so we do, we do the gig. We're in Connecticut. We do the show after the show, we're going to uh, PJ's house and boy, whoa, where's PJ's house? (laughs) Dan. No, I mean, you don't have to say exactly where it is, but it's an underpass. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the fact that he has a house is the most surprising part of the story. (laughs) Oh no, 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 no. There was like six apartments in that fucking, in that house. Don't you worry. And he was definitely getting some sort of assistance. I'm sure. But does he still still have the Aldo Montoya mask? (laughs) I I didn't see that. And if I did, he probably tried to sniff it, but uh, So we go upstairs. It's like fucking three o'clock in the morning. We walk in. There's a little kid playing with his toys in the living room there. Oh, we walk in. Wow. We walk Waller in. brought a girlfriend. <laughs> yes. Wait, yes. Chris Candido is a part of the story again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mommy's busy tonight. <laughs> so I walk into the kitchen and I see PJ like on his knees with his face on the floor, just fucking snot and vomit coming out everywhere. I'm like, all right, guys, I'm going to stay in the other room with the kid. Let me know when this is fucking over so we can get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's, it's, that is a bad place when you're a grown man. It's like, I'm going to go hang out with the kid I don't know because the right. other room is too dangerous. Right, man. It's, it's, it was just. I feel like if you like hang out with wrestlers and there's one kid, there's no way that it doesn't turn out to be a, a little person. <laughs> I feel like that's what happened. So when you came back in the room, what was what was the what was the scene when you came back into this room? Oh, just fucking rolled up bills, fucking powder everywhere, and just everybody geeked out of their goddamn mind. Just and, and unreal. Then, <laughs> and, and then, and then, what time is Sabu's flight? Oh, six o'clock the next morning. And it's, so it's like three thirty. So you got to just go right. You you're taking. Oh yeah, we just airport. we just went right to the airport. He signed all my shit because I'm a fucking mark, and we sent him <laughs> on his goddamn merry way. <laughs> what was your last conversation with Sabu like? I mean, he had he had great stories, man. Dude got shot in the fucking mouth. I mean, he was telling me about how again he, he was another one. He would sell to all the boys, but all the boys would rat him him out. You know, yeah, like, yeah. He'd he'd sell shit to Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle would fail a drug test and then say, "Oh, oh, Sabu gave it to me." Uh, Umaga, same shit, you know. <laughs> then he was telling, <laughs> then he was telling me what a what a crybaby uh, Big Show is because uh, <laughs> I guess during their uh, during their SummerSlam match, he was chopping Sabu so hard that Sabu felt his heart stop. So he uh, when when he came to the last chop, he gave him his shoulder and i guess big show like broke his wrist and he went and cried about it in the back and they ended up finding sabu for it oh jesus christ yeah so he's just he's just an unlucky fuck i feel bad for the guy i mean yeah he probably could have killed me but i mean (laughs) the guy despite all that the guy took care of me 
the, the guy made sure I was really taken care of, gave me a bunch of tips uh, for training and shit like that. And, but yeah, that was my wild Sabu story. Oh man, that's insane. Um, Sabu, <laughs> the, the, the first neck that Chris Benoit broke, but not the last. Yeah. <laughs> Is that who broke Fuck, his neck the first yeah. time? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. What did, what did he say about Benoit? He really didn't have much to say about Benoit because I think him and Benoit, you know, they they had their own, they had their thing going with the fucking drugs. So they weren't, you know, they weren't going to be a pussy about it, rat everybody out. Right, you know? right. Yeah, that's such like a narc <laughs> thing to do. It's like all these boys, they want the, they want the drugs. You can't, you can't rat out the dealer. Come on. I mean, what do you expect? The guy, the guy's 60 years old, still taking fucking chair shots. He's fucked nobody's yeah. gonna nobody is gonna pay to ha watch sabu have a regular match they really should advertise it as sabu on drugs wrestling i think <laughs> one is way implied, more impressive. Scott. it may <laughs> it makes the, it makes all the matches seem more interesting to me now i'm gonna go rewatch his career and think of what he pictured when it was 12 people in the audience <laughs> yeah, he, he, he should wrestle and there's only gonna be one man standing matches oh <laughs> uh, well cal uh, but he, uh he would he would he would call me a few times after that but because i could only get him pot he just cut me off <laughs> <laughs> well he only had so many calling cards right <laughs> yeah i love it like that must be so annoying like uh that when when he comes to a town and they're like i can get you weed you know that must be just for him that's just like oh this sucks this is gonna be the worst weekend ever <laughs> you're just telling me you can get me a pack of cigarettes what the fucking good is that gonna do man <laughs> yeah what is that gonna do <laughs> now now cal was this the weekend you decided to start running a comedy club <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah no it was it was after i booked coat hanger abortion and promoted it at planned parenthood <laughs> cal who's who who's who do you think are bigger degenerates comedians or wrestlers if you had to pay Oh, they're all the same. Yeah. Oh, they're all the same. There's so many connections there, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it's all they're all fucking carnies. And enough well, of definitely these kids. way more like Sonny in this story, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I guess I should start rubbing one out on OnlyFans too, then. <laughs> There's a market for it. <laughs> well, we got the same tits at this point. Well, this entire time we were wondering why Tony signed Matt Hardy. <laughs> uh, all right, Cal, that was awesome. Uh, what, what do you got to plug before uh, before you sign off here? His OnlyFans. <laughs> OnlyFans, laughitup.net, uh, WrestleFest 25, August 14th at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center. They got, uh, they got Enzo, Paul White, uh, Darby Allen, uh, fucking Cody Rhodes. It's a big card, man. Check it out. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. We'll check oh, it out. I've dude. done that. Uh, I've done that club. Uh, laugh it up. It's a great club. So definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it was really fun the last time I did it. And now we're in an even shittier place called the Holiday Inn. So come check it out, folks. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Nice. When, I was, the, when I was there, there was that woman who's like, uh, she kept. I was talking to that woman in the front row, and I guess her uh, boyfriend was coming back from prison the next week, and she was just like, 
like, uh, hey, uh, I'm, I'm single for the next two nights. So, like, anybody that would listen, you know. It was like, laugh it up because the next week is going to be really tough. <laughs> yeah, she laughed. She laughed not because I was funny, but because she was allowed to. Um, <laughs> all right, Cal, thank you so much, man. Great. Thanks for coming thank on. Thank you, man. Take all care. Right, good luck. All right, folks. Let's get to the high spots and low spots of the week. Uh, let's start with you, Rob. What was your uh, What was your high? We'll do high spots first. What was your high spot this week, Robert? My high spot was having crowds back in front of uh, wrestling again. It made watching everything we watched this past week. We watched, you know, SmackDown, uh, Money in the Bank, Raw. This week, SmackDown coming. It made it so much more fun to watch and so much more tolerable. Um, there was something to how the audience was able to save matches like the, uh, the Rhea Ripley Charlotte match at money in the bank with all the shitty booking going into it. The crowd got super into it. The wrestlers reacted and they had a lot of fun with it. Uh, the pop for John Cena, when he came out at the end of money in the bank was, this is going to sound lame and I don't care. It gave you goosebumps as a fan watching it and kind of reminded you, oh, this is why we sit and, and do this every week. You know, we were in 18 months wandering around in the desert in like this empty vacuum of a Costco where they were wrestling. And you're like, this is intolerable. It was so much fun to see WWE in front of an audience again. And the ratings showed that. So that was definitely my high spot of the week. Mike, what do you got for high spot this week? I mean, that one's kind of hard to beat, you know, um, I'm gonna. You know, I, I know we're supposed to have our own. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just uh, say the same. I, I think just you know, even AEW with the crowd uh, being so into Ricky Starks and then him winning against Cage, like, and that you know, Cage versus Starks is not the most fun match in the world, but it's just immediately elevated. It's like I think that you know, the Olympics and and actual sports and things like that they can still work without a crowd because it's competition. You're still seeing, you know, someone is a better fighter than someone or someone is, you know, better at basketball, but wrestling is all about the crowd. It exists only for the crowd. And so, I mean, look, we, I understand why they had to do it and everything, but it is just so much more elevated uh, with the crowd and, and it's only going to get better. It's like, they were kind of smart, you know, WWE to have their first crowds be, you know, Tampa and then Texas. But man, when they go to Chicago, when they go to New York, when they go to these smarky ass places, I'm fucking excited. <laughs> uh, Scott, what was your high spot this week? Oh, man. I, yeah. You, OK, so you can't beat the fans um, at, on SmackDown, at Money in the Bank, on Raw. On AEW, uh, I thought every crowd was really good. But I'll go, I'll go with this, okay? So my high spot, because it can't be if the same thing you guys said, um, will be the fact that there, there are still places that do not have fans, uh, like an Impact, right, where uh, there are wrestlers who, are, um, who love wrestling enough to give their time to companies like that and try to get eyes on it. And they know that, uh, so what, what, I guess what I'm talking about is Jay White showed up at the end of Impact. And while, you know, look, it's not an ideal place because the Impact Zone uh, looks like a uh, roller skating rink 
And, and right uh, now, know, if you're on Patreon, you can take you, you can hear Scott's take on uh, the Jay White situation. Yeah, and and I'll get more into it and why it, why it does rule, but but why it is a positive is because what we need to realize is Impact is about to be performing in front of crowds more. They do have Bound for Glory that's going to be in Las Vegas. Uh, New Japan Strong is is New Japan's you know American little company, and they are going back to crowds and they need to sell tickets. And so when you do have Kenny Omega and Jay White uh, and, and you have, you know, Thunder Rosa showing up, it is, it is wrestlers coming out for wrestlers to help wrestlers to help wrestling. So these first few shows on the road have fans. Hopefully they could get the ball rolling. Uh, it's just cool to see. And that Callahan Omega match was fucking bonkers. I have to see it. I hear, I hear it's really great. Good. Um yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, you know, I have two high spots. Uh, I really liked Cena's return promo that was just exclusive to WWE.com. I thought it kind of, it was really nice to hear. I didn't like his raw one as much, which we, we kind of covered on something the sports entertainment with. Um, but uh, and also, I want to say uh, QT and Rampage. I didn't know that that was a thing. Uh, so seeing him in that FBI costume. You know, just outfit. Uh, well, with him, it's a costume. It makes me realize that the QT and honors, uh, you know, the, the the conspiracy is alive and well, folks. I don't know what like the conspiracy he, he is. But... A, he co-starred in a movie with The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike, what was your low spot this week? Well, before we do that, I think Mike has the, the Twitter. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have a Twitter questions of the week and I have Facebook questions of the week because of how you want to do top 10 for each one uh yeah i mean i'll have to tear <laughs> a lot down but um I'll, i'm gonna start with the facebook questions because this goes to my um uh, low spot of the week which is um yeah the the carrion cross thing i knew one of us would probably pick it i'm, I'm sure that luckily there's enough for us all to choose from so we're okay but uh this was i mean I'm not even a big Karrion Cross fan. I'm not the biggest fan of NXT. You know, I liked it when we were watching it and reviewing it at times because you have to watch it every week. You're going to find stuff to like. But this really just showed how insignificant they see um, that brand. Uh, the fact that he is undefeated in singles matches on NXT. The fact that he came out with a championship, no Scarlet. Um, you know, look, Hardy is a legend in his own right. He will be in the Hall of Fame someday. He does deserve that. That's not the place he's at in ring right now. It feels like he's kind of where like Goldust was before Goldust went to AEW. Um, just a kind of you know veteran guy. Um, and you know, losing to him in less than two minutes did cross uh no favors at all. Um but uh, I did ask the uh, our, our Facebook group, uh, our WrestleRoast Facebook group, I want to know the positive spin on this. So I asked, you know, what is the uh, bright side? What, what is good about carrying cross losing to Matt Hardy in a minute and 40 seconds? And uh, here's some of the responses. David Caffarel said, because Cross asked for help with promos and Jeff just told him no more words. <laughs> Andrew Day said Vince wanted to show the under six foot members of the NXT roster what the WWE does with a six four talent. That way, NXT performers will appreciate NXT. 
Uh, Christopher Cornette. Uh, the positive is that now Karrion Cross is getting the preparation he needs on the main roster when he will be jobbing out to Cedric Alexander each week. <laughs> Eddie Cassidy said Jeff can take Cross's theme tune, Fall and Pray, which is what he does after each relapse. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Frank Baugh uh, says it's all because Hunter ate the last chicken breast at this Sunday night family dinner. <laughs> Antonio Santos, because uh, Vince loves blondes and Karrion Cross won't let Scarlett near Vince. Uh, Dan Chomiak, uh, they feel that if he continues to get wins as Jeff Hardy, he will stop arguing to bring back Willow. <laughs> uh, Chris Irvine, uh, not that Chris Irvine, I'm guessing. Uh, he's got a built-in <laughs> feud with Matt Hardy when Carrion, my wayward son, debuts on AEW. W dynamite in a year. <laughs> and then Steve Malgreen said, because Vince still wants to get the F out. Seriously, you like wrestling? Then get the fuck out. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll read the Twitter questions after everyone else's low spots. And if anyone has anything to say about that low spot, I'm, I'm sure Robert. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I will say, you know, like, I don't understand. I, I think that, you know, I, I covered this on our something to sports entertainment with, but uh, I do feel like it's a weird, if you look at, like, I was, I was saying this to Robert, I said this to you guys, if you look at the people who really got the raw end of the booking deal last night, which are Keith Lee. Rhea Did you Ripley, say the wrong end or the raw end? The, the, the raw, well, I said wrong, but it should be raw end of the booking deal. If you look at it, it's, it's Keith Lee, it's Rhea Ripley, and it's Karrion Cross. All of them are Hunter's favorites. And about like five years ago, you know, it was like a no brainer. Hunter was going to be the guy to succeed, succeed, succeed uh, events as far as being the wrestling guy that they were going to have somebody else as a CFO or a CAO, COO, but he was going to be the guy that was, you know, kind of taking care of all the booking. And it just feels like Vince emphatically said no. Uh, like maybe I'm reading too much into this, but it just feels like uh, you know it was it was a way to really hobble NXT, and I, I don't I, I don't understand. It's like if if you're gonna have somebody who has an undefeated streak for okay, even if you don't like carrying cross or whatever, and, and I understand a lot of people don't like his work that much, but why wouldn't you have him job to somebody? And make like somebody new, make somebody new, make it Matt Riddle, you know, make it somebody who, you know, is, is up and coming, not Jeff Hardy, who we all know is, is going to be out of that company when his contract is up. Um, no, dude, you don't have the champion of one of your, of one of your shows. Uh, look, okay. It, it, if maybe he had lost before, it was like 16 months of an undefeated streak and he was fucking murdering dudes. It's not even like, you know, oh, he was cheating to win. He was dominating. He was crushing everyone on NXT, and he came in last night, and he had completely different character traits. I mean, even when he said his catchphrase at the end, you could, like, see this sense of, ooh, I need to learn and grow. And it's, it's oh, or that, that's what we're getting from him? I mean, what, what is his character? Yeah, I, I can't, didn't get it. You can't do the catchphrase after losing. Dude, he's... <laughs> It, it, it really is such like a, a, a screw you to that show. And I and usually I'll just laugh about a thing like that and like, oh, it's not that serious. But how do those guys on that brand or whatever you want to call it at this point not go like, dude, what? How's Triple H not just like punching walls, you know? 
Robert, you have a little bit of a different opinion than us about this. What did you think of the show? So I have a, I have a different opinion of Raw in general versus versus this segment. I think the, the Rhea Ripley thing doesn't bother me at all because this is a character reset for her. They realize they positioned her terribly for the last month and a half, two months or whatever it's going to be. So her losing to Charlotte in a back and forth match as a rematch allows them to finish telling that story. And now Rhea Ripley can reinvent herself. That's fine. I don't mind Being that. True. To call out, to be the guy to confront Lashley and get that big reaction and remind the audience of who he is was fine. It was a fairly competitive back and forth match. No, it's it wasn't. It was it was enough where he wasn't squashed in ten seconds. It was it was it was it was not it was not great. A few minutes, no, Scott. It wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination, but at least it was bringing him back in a prominent position. It was handled poorly, but it was the right spot to bring him back in because they needed somebody to set up for Goldberg. The carrying cross thing was beyond unforgivable um, by what Vince did. Because <laughs> yes. here's the thing. Not to get super insidery, and I'm not going to divulge names or whatever. Vince saw Karrion Cross do his tryout at Raw, and he hated him. He hated him. He hated Scarlett. He felt this guy is all entrance, and there's nothing to him. Scarlett is only concerned about getting herself over, which was the same criticism he had of Lana, which is why he buried Lana and Rusev years ago. Karrion Cross has done a very good job in NXT with the skill set that he has of being successful. He was able to elevate himself. He's better than we talked about Heidenreich on this show. We talked about Snitsky. We talked about a lot of big guys in the past, Lars Sullivan, all of them. They didn't have the, the total package that Karrion Cross has, who was only going to get better in the immediacy. And he's the only person in NXT on the male side who they can elevate and be immediately marketable as a top tier star. In the, in, in the WWE. Is he going to be 80% entrance? Yeah, but you know what? So was Mordecai years ago, and Vince was infatuated with him. Vince so loves, was Ultimate Warrior. So was Warrior. They, they, they've made a huge career on it, but because this was Hunter's guy and Vince saw him, he's like, I, I don't get this. I don't get this guy. This whole thing doesn't make sense. So in Vince's mind, the story of, oh, he's going to wrestle Jeff Hardy, who's now suddenly an established star, and losing to him. So when he ultimately beats Jeff Hardy, he's super elevated, which is the same ass-backwards booking decisions he made with CM Punk when they moved CM Punk from ECW to the, the main roster, and they just kept having him lose. It doesn't work. The Karrion Cross character is all mystique until the bloom is off the rose. The bloom is off the rose night one. The only way this could have been forgivable and make sense, and I apologize, I missed something to sports entertainment with to cover Raw, but this is what I would have said. One of the biggest stars coming out of Money in the Bank was Ricochet. Ricochet had two of the most unbelievable moments during that Money in the Bank ladder match. His dive from the, from the, from the rope to the guys on the outside is highlight package worthy for the next decade. Him going out there talking about, hey, I didn't get it done, but what a great memorable moment. And then Karrion Cross coming out and saying, you've done nothing. I'm going to annihilate you. And then Ricochet somehow picking up a fluke win to set up Karrion Cross, destroying him at SummerSlam. That's a great story. Jeff Hardy has been a nothing entity for so long that, hey, we gave him his old entrance music that 10 people remember and were excited about. You damaged carrying cross. You cut your nose to spite your face. This was Vince wanting to show he can flex his muscle. He can do what he wants, but you probably set carrying cross back 
a pretty good distance. And I don't think they're going to have the chance to really rehabilitate him because you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. This was the one guy who I thought day after SummerSlam, he's going to debut. It's going to be the full entrance with Scarlet, the full gimmick. And this is a main event player going forward. Instead, he's now starting as a project. Well, what's your low point? Uh, hey, also, uh, also, how crazy uh, that, uh, you know, we were, it was what's better, AEW or NXT, like a year ago, right? And now NXT, it, it's, it's like they failed their mission of being put on Wednesday uh, on television. And now Vince is, is going to kill them. It's like every ticket sold for the Queen show. Uh, is making Vince uh, unload on these NXT dudes. That's a yeah, fun thing to NXT say. NXT people... worked as being special, as being a reason to go get WWE Network and go watch the developmental stars of the future. Putting them on USA was setting them up for disaster and to begin with. Them going up against AEW was Vince figured because there's enough wrestling nerd characters on NXT – the, the, the small guys he doesn't care about, like Johnny Gargano and, and Tommaso Ciampa and Adam Cole, that that sect of audience is going to stick with NXT. And they're not. They're going to go watch AEW because AEW is putting forth a flagship show. NXT was doomed the minute this happened. And the one bright spot that they had in Vince World, which is a big jacked up dude who looks like a killer, uh, Vince embarrassed on raw and he thinks well i'm gonna i'm gonna fix him and redeem him because he's gonna face jeff hardy at SummerSlam, most likely on the kickoff show and maybe get a win Yikes. um Hardy shows up in nxt uh and and that doesn't matter either hey, jeff hardy shows up in nxt thinking he's at raw <laughs> <laughs> he says hey man i got somos yeah, right. yeah, Robert, what's your uh, what's your low point? Uh, the the carrying across thing and it was was pretty high up there as the uh, I can't believe this is really happening on on television. Um, as far as I, I guess the other low point may be um, that Jimmy Uso won the tag titles on Money in the Bank because that really felt like them like just flaunting the fact of. We know what he did. We know how bad the press is for it. We have a storyline to tell. So we're not going to punish this guy because we need to do what's what's best for, for the Roman story. When if this was pretty much anybody else, they would have cut bait. And it just sends a very weird mixed message that there's a lot of guys who got fired for doing the right thing. And this is someone who clearly has issues he needs to be dealing with. And instead of that, it's we're going to put you on TV. We're going to put you in a main event angle and we're going to give you the tag titles. You got to fight for your right to Uso. <laughs> Zach, cut that out. <laughs> Dan, what's your low spot? My low spot this week, Michael Lawrence, uh, Keith Lee, everything about it. Um, not just uh, the booking of it, but I thought, you know, like, look, I'm going to give, I'm going to give it to, I'm, I'm going to say I was disappointed on both ends of it. I, I don't think it was a good spot for him to be in. But I also, you know, and I don't blame him, but clearly he did go through some health stuff because he doesn't he doesn't really look like the same guy. Um, You know, there's a couple there was a couple spots there. We were just praying, you know, like I thought he was going to buckle during the spirit bomb and he did like a crossbody on the guy's legs and not on his not on his actual crossbody. 
Um, yeah, and I, I just think Keith Lee's like a really special talent. So it's it's a little bit of a bummer to see, you know, kind of he him being you know fed and and I, I you know like I I walked away from that raw wondering who's still you know going to be in that company next week, uh, and also runner up what. Goldberg's still going to be there next Goldberg's week. Goldberg's <laughs> still going to be there. And also, I, I just want to say, I mean, No Way debuting as No Way on Impact, that's got to be... I mean, No uh, Way, Jose? You, no, I mean No Way. His name is No Way now. Um, <laughs> they got rid of the Jose. Like, they didn't even try <laughs> to change the name. How did they not make him Yes Way? Wrestling, we get the J out. We get the Jose out. We get the Jose. I thought that was JBL's gimmick. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't, I don't understand, like, 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 it wasn't a gimmick that was over. Why are you dusting that gimmick? Like, like for instance, like, Big Cass uh, as Morrissey in Impact is actually pretty cool, man. He's got, like, a great look, and he uh, he looks like a million, a million bucks. Is, is he, like, the greatest thing since sliced bread as far as in the in ring goes? No, he's not. But, but you know, you see, like, okay, they're going to do the best version of this sort of, like, sadistic, big-ass heel character. Wait, big uh, Cass then, is Morrissey, like, from the Smiths? <laughs> his name is yeah. Morrissey now, yeah, I think. Right? <laughs> To power bomb you. <laughs> I think it's Morrissey, right? Is that that's the name? Um, yeah. W. Morrissey, I think. Yeah. W. Morrissey, the boy with a thorn in his side. <laughs> it was uh, Michael Cole with Heidenreich? <laughs> but it, it, it really was. I mean, seeing seeing No Way come out there, you know, I just come on, man. I mean, just give him another different type of shitty gimmick. Just not the same shitty gimmick that wasn't. I mean. Like it wasn't it, like no way Jose wasn't nearly as over as Adam Rose and the Rosebuds. Like that's how not <laughs> over this fucking thing was. Yeah, but given Impact's budget, they can't afford for him to get new gear. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of crazy to me though. Like you've got like this Impact show where you have an amazing main event. Apparently, I, I haven't seen it yet. You have one of the best wrestlers in the world debuting, and then you just have no way Jose. I, I just don't. You know, like that that company, it's always like one step forward, three steps back. Am I being too harsh here, Scott? Three cha-cha steps back. No, I mean, there's, there's <laughs> yeah, the three, three steps back is in a conga line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they also end shows, the show, like three minutes before they should have, too. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think you're wrong in, in terms of no way. It, it, it To me, it, it, that's a guy who needs a lot of therapy, like to think that he has to hold on to this gimmick is uh, it's like, buddy, nobody cares about that thing. And he's a big guy, man. And he has a cool enough look, just be anything else. And people would be excited for you. There were more people in like his WWE conga lines than in the (laughs) impact audience. (laughs) It's true too. Uh, Scott, would you, do you, uh, did you say your low spot this week yet? No, I didn't, but okay, I, I agree with you on the Carrion Cross thing. The the Keith Lee thing did bother me, especially that it's Goldberg because okay, I mean, going to money in the bank, Big E winning is such an awesome moment, such a cool moment. And Big E had just I mean, uh and uh Lashley had just killed Kofi. And I mean, Xavier Woods rolled him up last week. That's a continuity error, but hey, goldfish brain, you know, that's what WWE is, nothing matters. Uh, but I just feel like it should be goldfish brain would have been a better gimmick than no way. (laughs) (laughs) 
but I, I just think it should be Biggie at SummerSlam. And it really bothers me that it's Goldberg. It bothers me that he comes out and he says, I'm next. And you go, but how, how, how is that even kind of possible? I mean, Xavier Woods is next. He, he rolled up the champion last week and pinned him. Uh, but that really bothered me. Also, I, okay, look, I loved that John Cena's back. I think this feud is going to be awesome. I think this match in terms of like storytelling within a match, it's going to be one of the best in the last few years, right? Cena versus Reigns. But the, the promo that Cena cut on Raw, uh, we're recording Tuesday, so it's one of the only things I can critique from this week. I, I don't like the reason he was going after Roman, which was this idea of, hey, Roman, you're overhyped and you're overrated and you're not as great as you think you are. It's like, that, that's not the story we want to tell. The idea is you have a stronghold on SmackDown, you're kicking ass and somebody needs to stop you. Not that you're overhyped because that's wrong. So the only way you fix that is if you have Roman choke him out on SmackDown and then Cena gets serious because the last thing this storyline needs is John Cena trying to be funny or trying to tell Roman that he's overrated or over that's not you're not dealing with the same Roman you were dealing with three years ago so it's really corny to do that unless it's on purpose and he's about to be shown that this is a new Roman and he needs to get serious he might but I think the biggest positive takeaway from that Cena promo was this was the first time in a long time this is what Vince always thought babyface John Cena was going to be that you can stop in the middle of the promo to get the crowd just to react to you saying, I want to hear you cheer and the crowd going just ape shit for him. It's the unfortunate thing of the audience that John Cena was put in front of to be a white meat baby face was the crowd that was there to see the Matt Hardy, Lita, Ed stuff. If the audience was primed for the right kind of John Cena, this would have been a much different decade. He would have been far bigger than Hogan across the board because there was a joy to Cena talking to that audience and that crowd was unironically happy to see him. And when it was, let me hear you cheer, let me hear you cheer. And it didn't come across as pandering. It just came across as this is a fun party. And there's that video of Linda McMahon letting the, the there was like a little kid that wanted to get closer to see Cena and she lets him go up to the, the, the guardrail. Like kids were excited to see him. The fans in general were thrilled to see him. They finally respect him as a wrestler I, I get your your point a little bit. The promo was kind of clunky. They have, a, they have a long runway to go, and Paul Heyman's involved in the building of this storyline, so I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, that I mean, that's, that's the thing. Heyman is going to sell the fuck out of this no matter what corny jokes Cena makes, and I really hope I he, say, he does. Yeah, that. it's like in terms of like the live fans being back. Like when Cena acknowledged that 11-year-old kid's birthday, I thought that was pretty cool. Like shit like that, because they don't do that enough, even when there are crowds. You're right. I I do feel like only part timers get that freedom. I think they're the only ones that feel that freedom. You know, it's confidence of I'm going home after this. Like, because you're not allowed to acknowledge that. I remember years ago, like The Rock pointed out there was a guy dressed like Randy Savage in the crowd, uh, and nobody else called it out, but The Rock was there and and Mm -hmm. called it out, and they were annoyed because they don't like to bring attention to the goofier fans that are there. But when you're a part-time guy, you can do that unless it's Goldberg. And I hate that they do this. I get why they do it, but I hate that they do it. They planted that kid for him to go over. It was, it was a special needs guy who was probably there for a make-a-wish, but they needed to make sure that you see that Goldberg takes the time to go over just to high-five that hey, kid. How do you know he else. planted him? 
You think there was just randomly a special needs kid right, right yeah, in with the Fred end Rose, of the Yeah, I'm sure he was a That nobody else acknowledged the entire night, Scott? Yeah, man, come on. He probably told yeah, he them before. He said, show. nobody else hugged that kid, God damn it. Probably <laughs> I believe face, Earthquake you know? was really a fan in the crowd, too. <laughs> <laughs> he just got lucky and made a career out of it. See, the, Earth, the Earthquake thing could never work now because of the internet and stuff. Now someone would be like, I remember him from his All Japan work. You know? <laughs> but but look, I'm happy Cena's back because, look, the hope, right? The most optimistic thing is John Cena's on Raw and SmackDown for the next next few weeks, hopefully. Um, more eyes watch the product, and then they see a ricochet or someone like that, and they get excited. Now the negative is Ricochet wasn't on this week's Raw, even though he was like the best part of money in the bank. Which would have been and, my uh, low point if it wasn't for the obvious low points. Yeah, and like very literally the rest of the show besides the first segment and the first match uh, pretty much blowed. Uh, you know, you hope that people tune in and they like other parts of it because Matt Riddle is really cool, you know? Uh, there, there are really, I mean, Big E is the shit, you know? So... Hopefully that would, people that would, tune in and see Cesaro and like him. I don't know. That's that would be hope. another quick high spot, just the fact that – I know we talked about this on the Patreon yesterday, but uh, Cena interacting with a talent and not hitting his finisher on them was refreshing. That oh, was ni- sure. Like the bro-off thing was like stupid or goofy or whatever, but it was nice to not see someone get buried. It, it, was, it wasn't a big rub, but it was a little rub, you know. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that as well. Hey, Mike, hey. let's check him with the Twitterverse. All right. So I asked, I, I I don't know about you guys, but I watched Space Jam, A New Legacy, uh, over the weekend. Did, did anyone else? Uh, I asked no. my eight-year-old, do you want to watch Space Jam 2? And she's like, no, I'm okay. It's um. Did, did you guys did you guys see the uh, the the Bo Burnham special inside? Yes, no, I, heard that was I watched good. that this weekend too, which was intense. It's it's fantastic, and he has this In song. An apartment, called, Robert. He has a song called "That Funny Feeling," where it's just like he's just rattling off all kinds of things that just kind of make you sad. And everything in Space Jam 2 felt like that. Like it felt like it could have been lyrics from that song. Like you have Porky Pig rapping. Um, it has the notorious PIG. You have uh, what was I say? Oh, they go into the Warner Brothers computer, so all of the different characters are just Warner Brothers characters. They have the Mister Freeze from Batman and Robin in '97. There's literally like one of the characters says, "King Kong ain't got nothing on me," and then they show King Kong folding his arms and getting upset. <laughs> so it's like the Lego movie but not clever. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's a it's a movie where the words product and content were said a lot in the pitch meetings. <laughs> but I asked our fans, our forbidden dorks to uh give us a wrestling space jam, you know. Now I know so cuz one or two people called out that they did the uh Scooby Doo and Flintstones with WWE, but I was thinking, you know, an entertaining one. So you, you pick a wrestler and some kind of licensed property, and uh, there you go. So that's what I asked our fans, and I'm going to read the best ones. At A Train 1994 says, Hulk Hogan and all the Disney cartoons you can't find anymore. <laughs> At Lucha Safety Brothers, Chris Benoit and the cast of My Wife and Kids. 
<laughs> at bbbd11 uh the iron sheik on breaking bad <laughs> at slick mick 07 heidenreich and pepe le pew <laughs> at charismatic heel rvd and hr puff and stuff at christ tony Wacky races with multiple WWE and AEW wrestlers. Jim Cornette can be Snidely Whiplash, and Brian Last can be Muttley. <laughs> At Eric W. Barnes, Orange Cassidy and the Care Bears. At AJ Haller, Goldberg and the Neverending Story. <laughs> At Matt Maybray, the hand that May Young gave birth to meets their real meets its real father, Thing from the Adams Family. <laughs> at k ramsey 2387 omos and the little giants <laughs> at tom bonker i can't decide between joey ryan and to catch a predator or jimmy uso on cops so i'll just go with mjf and trolls <laughs> at donnie lucas 18 kevin owens and howard the duck i don't get that it's just a funny visual to me <laughs> At Tar, at, at, oh, sorry, at Taj R nineteen eighty two, the Fiend and the Rugrats. At TN Addict One, Vince McMahon and Charles Montgomery Burns, two old guys completely out of touch with reality. At <laughs> Nathan Ryer, this is one of my favorites, a recreation of the Montreal Screw Job, and they're all Muppets except Brett. <laughs> That's I would great. fucking love to watch. <laughs> At Bleeding Blue 20, Kenny Omega and My Little Pony, because Kenny loves to prance and bounce his shiny, shiny hair. <laughs> um, At Fat Nuts 5, QT Marshall is sent to the Tough Enough universe where he is cut from each season over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> At Terminal Frunk, Bobby's World, where Bobby teams up with newly discovered biological father Seth Rollins. Episode one. Oh, so that's why I have that voice. Thanks to <laughs> <laughs> at Jas Martinez 76 Weekend at Jimmy's with Jimmy Uso as Bernie. <laughs> at Nitman Returns Jerry Lawler and Woody Allen movies. <laughs> at Steve Lurie, a Billy Madison movie with Shane McMahon and the Billy Spot and Triple H as the Bradley Whitford character. <laughs> at Uncle Dion, Ray and Dom jumping through portals with Rick and Morty. At D Tesso, two for one, Hangman Page with all the other Toy Story toys versus Kenny Omega and Cobra Kai. Basically, what's already happening on Dynamite. <laughs> at Promographic Ken, Jericho and the Fox News team. At Big Red 10125, Velveteen Dream and the Girl Scouts. <laughs> At Danny Vapid, 101 Dalmatians versus Mr. Fuji. <laughs> at Barely Sarcasm, uh, Lars Sullivan and Yogi Bear and Boo Boo. Yes, it's gay porn. <laughs> at Rapid Tapioca, Lars Sullivan vacillates between bullying and tearfully making love to the Teletubbies. <laughs> at, time, at No Time for West, the Bushwhackers have to help Pokemon and no one can understand each other. And finally, at Belly Float, the Dark Order teams up with the GoBots because they are the only property that will have them. <laughs> oh, we got the best fans in the world. Folks, next week, we've got the roast of Booker T. Uh, also, we're going to be doing Show in Hell. Uh, we're going to do Ain't That Swell again. 
which is I've never seen this. It's Booker T winning the heavyweight championship for the first time, which you can get on YouTube. Um, and is that WCW? Our, that's in WCW. Yeah, I've never seen okay. him beat Jeff Jarrett, so I, I'm excited to see that. And for Show in Hell, uh, Booker T losing the WCW World Championship to Vince Russo in a steel cage. Bro. So I'll be sending that clip to you guys. <laughs> it's pretty wild, man. Um, we're also going to be doing high spot, low spot, and a new feature uh, next week. We're going to be doing a segment called Jobber Knocker, where Mike will be uh, giving, uh, tweeting out to you guys one of his favorite uh, uh, Jobber clips, and we're going to be analyzing the uh, Jobber and what happened in the match. So and the first one, I'll say what we're going to pick. There is a clip of Coco Beware fucking destroying a jobber it's about two minutes um I'll, I'll share it it is fucking brutal if you were ever like oh coco beware the guy with the bird um he goes to town on this fucking chopper and it's amazing <laughs> um and then next next week we're gonna have the rest of lex luger we're gonna do the show in hell the tight t-shirt promo uh for grimmix we're gonna do narcissist versus the model rick martell high spot low spot uh and then uh couple weeks, we're going to be back to uh, reviewing the old Dynamite. Um, we're going to be doing, like I said before, we're all building towards the Rock Roast, which is in the summer. What, what, what a lot of fun stuff coming up. Um, what, do we, what do we got for plugs, Robert? Uh, if you haven't already joined the Facebook group, uh, there's something to sports entertainment uh, tier. Uh, since I'm sorry, I wasn't able to be there. But, you know, Scott jumped on. Mike jumped on. You never know what's going to happen. You're at that additional tier. There's always additional shows. Scott did his analysis of Jay White, so the rest of you don't have to hear it. Um, yeah. uh, kidding. It's fantastic. It, it made me care about Jay White for the first time. That's how good Scott is. Uh, and I do want to give a, a personal shout out to a friend of mine, listener of the show. My buddy Zach just had his first baby this week. Uh, so uh, congratulations, Zach. I'm sure you're listening to this at two o'clock in the morning, pacing the halls with your newborn. Not our producer, Zach. That would be really funny if we didn't know he was having a baby. <laughs> Scotty Chaps. Uh, Scott underscore Chaplin. Uh, the Wrestle Roast Twitter. Also, shows are starting up again. Wrestling shows are starting up again. Uh, I'm going to some. I got my ticket to AEW in Queens and in Newark. Uh, if you want to party at any of them. The Queen Show, they sold over 15,000 tickets, baby. That's another high spot. More than uh, WWE at the Garden, and they're doing a super show. Uh, and, I mean, you know from the last the last two weeks, AEW crowds are the best crowds. Uh, so, yeah, let's come out and hang out with me and, and really just feed me. Buy me drinks and stuff. <laughs> and buy me merchandise. Buy me a cup with Kenny Omega's face on it. If you're wondering how you will have somewhere to spit the cum. <laughs> if you're wondering how you can find Scott at the event, uh, he's the skinny one. It's <laughs> <laughs> not fair. Orange Cassidy's going to be there. <laughs> look for the guy that fits into his Bullet Club T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> he's the uh, only Bullet Club and not Hair Club for men. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Become a Patreon. Leave a five-star review. Leave a Join our Facebook group, join the YouTube, follow us on Twitter. And we should have shirts coming for you soon. Um, and uh, we'll give you some more updates on that as they come along. Uh, but until then, wash your hands. Hey.